Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Space for Magic podcast. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. And if you have ever struggled with either getting support or feeling like you are done with a project because you're always trying to make it just a bit better, you're never sure it's quite complete, those may seem like two very different problems, support versus perfectionism they come together in a really interesting way. And I want to talk to you about how this just happened for me. By the time this podcast reaches your ears, my book will already be in the process of being laid out and printed because it's going to be available pretty soon. And um, late September will be available available for pre-sale. And then um, the hard copy will be available in October. So, um, and the book Make Space for Magic is really a journey that I've taken over my life to get to this place where I can let magic in because I couldn't always. And when I decided to write the book, my main mission was really to give you an understanding of where the dips and high points happened along the way. So you could see how very ordinary most of the experiences were that ended up creating extraordinary breakthroughs and that you don't need a burning bush or an angel to appear to you or for you know a treasure to land on your doorstep for your world to open up and be filled with the sense that you are protected and loved by the divine by the universe that you know that everything that you desire in your heart is possible and then how i made that happen along with stories of other people as well so when i originally envisioned the book i saw it as a memoir because i thought i was going to tell the story of how i got here once the memoir was written which was last year and i read it through i for various reasons, didn't feel like it was the right book. And so we ultimately, me and the publisher, decided to rewrite it. I'd, I would rewrite it as a nonfiction book. So the difference between memoir and nonfiction is memoirs, I was essentially just storytelling. The nonfiction book, I have stories interspersed with tools, right? And like, do this, and this is sort of the story that supports how that worked. So it it's more of a, you know, there, there's a greater ability to take action inside each story if you choose to do that. But something that was really important to me when I, when we shifted out of memoir into a nonfiction was that it didn't become this kind of book where at the end of every chapter, you would have to do something before you could move on. Those books really... I find for myself are irritating for a lot of reasons. Sometimes I'm just not in the mood to do something. When I'm reading a book, maybe I just want to read a book. And the books that I love the most are the books that are nonfiction. They don't really require you to 
do something per se, but in the way that they're written, they transform you. So, you know, very little for you to do and more they create these shifts of awareness of how you go about your day. And it's those shifts of awareness that really start to shift things for you. You know, two of my heroes in this genre are um, Martha Beck is the person I first learned from. And she's the person I got my coaching certification from, but I found her long before that because I found that her books did that for me, that she wrote in a way where she was giving tools, but there was a lot of story that brought the tools live. And then Tosha Silver, who writes in both forms, but she's just the queen of being open and surrendering to the divine. And so when I pick up a book from either of those authors, it always takes me on this journey. And I wanted that for my book. So through the book writing process, what I found was I was never in my heart experiencing my book like that. To me, in the beginning, it almost felt like a chapter taped to another chapter, taped to another chapter, like literally held together by tape and glue. <laughs> like there wasn't a flow to it. And, um, you know, in some cases, the editor felt that I was being really hard on myself. In other cases, the editor could see what I meant and gave me feedback. And so we were making adjustments. It's been a five month editing process. But in the last couple of rounds of edits, I hadn't read the book straight through from start to finish because the windows to get the edits done were tight in the midst of everything else I was doing. I was creating the Oracle card deck, running first the receiving school and then my mastermind. So, you know, to stop, sit back, read the book, I just didn't have the time. So it arrived, my last round of edits, the book arrived to me and the, my book, my team lead. So this was this is Kim. Kim is the person that coordinates all the people involved in the book. My team lead sent me the the next round of edits, and it was supposed to be copy edits, then line edits. Copy edits kind of fix the structure of the paragraph, and then the line edits would happen to fix the grammar mistakes. And she said, "Hey, the book was in such good shape. The editor was able to do copy edits and line edits all at once." And my mind went to this horrible place. <laughs> This place of where, well, did the editor give it enough time? Like, I mean, it can't possibly be in that good of a condition. Like this idea that the book was in good condition was not something that felt right to me. And so immediately I went to, is the editor supporting me properly? So I sat down with the book and which is, by the way, completely unfair because all the editors that I've worked with different editors through the publisher, they've all been wonderful. And there was no reason for me to conclude this, but this idea that it was good enough wasn't even available to me. So the only conclusion I could make was that somehow the editor was deficient. And this is, by the way, one of those ways where we see people not showing up for us enough is we're not getting the proper support is we can't conclude that things are enough as they are. We just assume they need more fixing and therefore we need more support. So I sat down with the book and started to read it from start to finish because at this point there was very little for me to do in the book. And I, and all of a sudden I was like, this is the final version. This is what's going to go out to people. And in my mind, the way I just I've described it to a few people, it felt like the book was if you could picture a train, and each chapter was a section of a train, like a automotive, you know, a, a choo-choo train. <laughs> 
you know, some of the cars of the train were really beautiful and sleek and modern looking. Others were kind of painted and they had flowers and they were pretty and they were cool looking, but there were other cars that looked kind of rusted out. And if you saw this train sort of traveling around, like across the horizon, you'd question, what are those rusted out cars doing amidst that train? And that all those cars don't match each other. And that was sort of how I felt the book was going to read. I read it and I was in shock that the book is good. And it's really hard even right now for me to say that to you, like that the book is good, not just that the book does a good job teaching, but that if you were to pick it up and read it, that you'd enjoy the, the process of reading. I'm someone who reads a lot. So almost at any given time, except for the last year during the pandemic, I stopped reading nonfiction. It just, I couldn't pick up anything that required any sort of linear thinking from me, but I was mostly reading fiction. But I'm usually reading about three books a week. So I consume a lot. And so I have a high level of judgment. You know, I know what feels good and what doesn't. And I didn't think my book would fall into like a favorite book category. And it felt like it did. And that was so surprising to me. Even now with all the work I've done on my journey, it's hard for me to believe that I produce something of this quality. And I've shared that story with a few people, friends, a couple of people, clients. And you know, they've all given me the same feedback. Like, of course, you know, of course you did. Of course you did. But it's not an of course experience to me. I'm still probably my, you know, my harshest critic and I've definitely gotten a lot better, but it's still a journey. And there was still a piece of me that was like, is it this good? Like, I think it is. And for the first time, I put the book in the hands of someone who hadn't read any version of it. This was an author friend of mine who I asked her to do an advanced read and if she liked it to give me an author testimonial for the back of the book. And um, we still have a couple of weeks to get those blurbs back from authors. So I didn't expect it quickly, but she emailed me the next morning and she was like, oh my God, it is so good, Patty. Like I'm already making a change to something that was going on for her. And specifically it was like, I, I realize now I have to give myself more permission to rest. And this is one of the biggest messages in the book is that so much of the magic, <laughs> even as I'm telling you this, clearly I need to learn it. So much of the magic that's available to us comes when we just stop trying so hard, you know, and we just be. And I know she wouldn't have minced words. It was a legitimate excitement about the book. And I felt exactly the same way when I read her book eight years ago. And so I know it's that feeling of knowing the person and then also objectively knowing they just created something good. It's an exciting feeling. And I could feel that excitement in her. And then what was so interesting was that one of her big takeaways from the book, this is a message that I put throughout the book, is for me, one of the struggles I've had walking this journey and letting in magic, especially when it comes to the magic of support, is that that's always been a learning edge for me. I don't get supported properly and I always am afraid I'm not going to be supported properly. Now, I've that story is changing a lot for me, but I'm still on that path. 
And what I've realized on this journey, and I talk about in the book, is that part of the reason I don't get support, first of all, from from the divine in the universe, is just because I'm still always leaning into a new level of trust, a new level of trust. But because the humans around me don't always give me the support I need, it's because I don't let them know that I need it. And this came through over and over and over again. And I told a story where I was at dinner with friends and my husband, and they said like over and over again to me, Patty, you don't understand. You always look like you have it all together. And that was shocking to me. That happened, that dinner happened while I was writing the book. So it was very alive for me. And these people had all seen me at very deep lows. And I was just so dumbfounded by that. And I tell you that because you, I would suspect, are in a similar situation. If you don't get the kind of support you need, what's likely happening is you put, you may think you look like a hot mess, but to everyone else, you look like you have it all together. And this friend, who has known me for so long, this all our friends said, she goes, I, Patty, that I felt that I do feel like you always have it all together. And always over and over and over again, when I hear this message, it both shocks me, surprises me, but also frustrates me because it feels like I need to say something or do something. And, um, I feel like I've done it so differently these last couple of years. Like I've been so transparent about all the struggle and especially for you listening here, like I want you to always understand that we're all learning this together. There is no finish line, right? There's not like some mountaintop that some of us get to and we get freed from the human condition, you know? Um, And I just feel like the, I have it all together is, so different than my experience. What I feel like I've gotten to at this point is I don't have it all together, but I know how to I know how to bring people into my life that will help me fill the gaps I can't fill for myself. And I also have grace for that, the fact that I don't have it all together where I I used to not have grace for that. I used to think that there was a better version for of me waiting in the future that had it all together. But I'll tell you to stop right now and and just ask yourself, do you expect yourself to have it all together, at least part of the time? If you do, and you also feel like you don't get supported properly, I'm going to tell you that one of the challenges that you're facing is that if you prioritize or if you find value in having it all together, you are most likely putting forward a front you don't think you're doing it, but you're doing it. That's leaving people believing you're far more together and therefore in less need of support than you actually are. And I can't give you a clean process to help you break through this because I'm still in the process of breaking through it. But what I can tell you has helped is be honest with the small stuff. And what I mean by that is if you are supposed to make dinner tonight for your family, and it just feels like it's exhausting. Like you just, you can make it happen, but it just feels so hard. Tell them that and just don't make dinner, right? Let them eat Cheerios or something. Let them figure it out in the fridge. Because part of what keeps people from realizing what we need is our fear that we're going to let them down. And you're going to have to get used to letting a few people down or experiencing the thought that you might let them down to actually 
let them see where you need support. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to actually let them down. What you have to understand is the way our brains are structured, like you and I, if you're hearing me and this sounds like you, the way our brains are structured is we consider anytime we don't need any need of someone we love or someone we feel responsible for in the exact perfect way that we're letting them down. When in fact, we may just be caring for ourselves and that's okay. But we don't understand that. Our brain doesn't understand it. So it just concludes we're letting people down. And that seems terrible. But if you could start to give yourself permission to let people down in small ways in exchange for taking care of yourself, you will give them the ability to start to see through this. I'm really excited. I don't have a page to give you yet for you to order the book, but I would love if you're feeling that you would like to get your hands on this book, just understand it's coming just a few weeks away. And for now, if you feel like maybe you don't have enough support and or you feel pressure to hold it all together, I want you to know I get you. You are not alone and I am cheering for you and I wrote this book for you. Much love. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.